Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. We have for today's program, I think, an embarrassment of riches. Joining us in our second segment today will be Ann Dilzer of Planned Parenthood to discuss... The bill signed by President Bush yesterday that will outlaw the so-called partial birth abortion. We will also be joined by Jeff Kearns, a fine investigative reporter for a fine investigative newspaper, the Sacramento News and Review. Jeff will be talking to us about some of the developments as regards public funding of an arena in downtown Sacramento. But leading off today's show will be someone who's at the center of what many think is the most important scandal to engulf the Bush administration since its inception. Former Ambassador Joseph C. Wilson IV will be joining us to talk about the notorious outing of his wife that took place last July, apparently in retribution for the former ambassador writing an op-ed piece for the New York Times that was critical of the uses of intelligence by the Bush administration. Joseph Wilson's wife worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. She apparently ran a covert operation in counterintelligence for the CIA, and her being outed, exposed as being an agent, violates federal law. To say nothing of the fact that it compromises U.S. counterintelligence efforts against terrorism. All of Washington, D.C. has been abuzz with this story, when it was announced that the matter will be investigated by the United States Justice Department. For the ambassador's own op-ed piece in the New York Times, he was a career foreign service officer and ambassador. He served for 23 years, from 1976 to 1998. In 1990, as Chargé d'Affaires in Baghdad, he was the last American diplomat to meet with Saddam Hussein. After Iraq, he was President George H.W. Bush's ambassador to Gabon, and under President Bill Clinton, he helped direct the Africa policy for the National Security Council. The ambassador opened up his July 6th op-ed piece as follows. Did the Bush administration manipulate intelligence about Saddam Hussein's weapons program to justify an invasion of Iraq? Based on my experience with the administration in the months leading up to war, I have little choice but to conclude that some of the intelligence related to Iraq's nuclear weapons program was twisted to exaggerate the Iraqi threat. And the story is that in February 2002, Vice President Dick Cheney's office had questions of the CIA about a particular intelligence report. The ambassador was asked to investigate the assertions that there was a documented sale of uranium yellow cake, which is a form of lightly processed ore by Niger to Iraq in the late 1990s. Joseph Wilson consulted with the State Department's African Affairs Bureau, and making it abundantly clear to everyone he met, 
flew to Niger to investigate this. He met with the ambassador, who, by the way, had felt that she had already debunked these allegations in her reports to Washington. He met with dozens of people, current government officials, former government officials, people associated with the country's uranium business, and says it did not take him long to conclude that it was highly doubtful that any such transaction had ever taken place. Joseph Wilson did not file a written report, but notes that he spent enough time in government to know that the standard operating procedure should have generated at least four documents in the United States government archives to confirm his mission. The ambassador's report of his debriefing, a separate report written by the embassy staff, a CIA report summing up his trip, and a specific answer from the agency to the office of the vice president. Wilson stated he then thought the Niger matter was settled and went back to his life. In January, President Bush, citing the British dossier, repeated the charges about Iraqi efforts to buy uranium from Africa. Wilson accepted the possibility that perhaps the president meant one of the three other African countries that produce uranium, Gabon, South Africa, or Namibia. It is clear now, of course, that the president did mean Niger in the State of the Union address. To return now to Joseph Wilson's op-ed piece, Those are the facts surrounding my efforts. The vice president's office asked a serious question. I was asked to help formulate an answer. I did so, and I have every confidence that the answer I provided was circulated to the appropriate officials within our government. The question now is how that answer was or was not used by our political leadership. If my information was deemed inaccurate, I understand, though I would be very interested to know why. If, however, the information was ignored because it did not fit certain preconceptions about Iraq, then a legitimate argument can be made that we went to war under false pretenses. On July 14th, eight days after this piece appeared in the New York Times, syndicated columnist Robert Novak, citing two senior administration officials, revealed that Wilson's wife worked for the CIA and said that she had suggested sending him to Niger. It turns out that according to the Washington Post, a couple of Bush administration officials were on the phone telling numerous other reporters that Wilson's wife, Valerie Plame, was in the Central Intelligence Agency. Apparently, reporters at Time Magazine, NBC News, and a handful of others had also been tipped off. At a public meeting in August, Mr. Wilson, a staunch Democrat, said, quote, It's of keen interest to me to see whether or not we can get Karl Rove frog-marched out of the White House in handcuffs. And trust me, when I use that name, I measure my words. Ambassador Wilson, welcome to Radio Parallax. How much danger do you feel your wife has been subjected to as a result of her being... Outed. Well, clearly we've had to we've had to adjust our own personal security as a consequence of this. Um, after all, it is uh, it is 20 years of uh, of a career uh, that has been now exposed. Uh, we worry probably most of all of of uh, people who um, are malcontents who somehow blame the CIA for everything that's wrong in their lives. It's being countered uh, by apologists that your wife was an analyst and not undercover, not running covert operations, has been widely reported, uh, investigating security issues, and therefore was not, it was not really illegal to reveal their identity to Robert Novak and others. Well, I mean, I, I, my only answer to that is uh, that the um, CIA would, would not have um, referred the case as a potential criminal matter to the FBI frivolously, so they must believe that there's something, uh, something to this. And uh, the uh, law is very specific about uh, covering um, what they call operatives, uh, case officers. 
The Bush administration denies that Karl Rove said that your wife was fair game, saying instead that um, he was merely postulating that it was reasonable to ask if it was your wife who had sent you to Niger. I have contemporaneous notes. Um, Karl Rove, first of all, I understand that the White House uh, said that he didn't talk to anybody. Now they're saying that he did, in fact, say something. Um, my own credibility, uh, when, when, when pitted against the White House, I'm batting about three for three, and the White House is batting zero for three on this. First of all, on the whole Niger case. Secondly, on the vice president having actually asked the question when he finally fessed up to that. And then most recently when... Uh, They've had to backtrack on whether or not Rove spoke to a journalist. I have uh, every reason in my contemporaneous notes uh, also uh, quote very directly his saying, my wife is fair game. And I stand by that. I mean, I have no reason to believe that the person who told me that would be would have had any reason uh, not to have been accurate. Uh, he put the, the, the term in quotes when he told it to me. He said to me, I just got off the phone with Carl Rove, and he tells me, quote, Wilson's wife is fair game, unquote. Fair enough. According to Newsweek, you got calls from several well-connected Washington reporters, the names of NBC correspondent Andrea Mitchell and uh, MSNBC cable show host uh, Chris Matthews have surfaced since then. Will you be identifying uh, some of these reporters? Well, no, what I said was that I would I would certainly share everything I knew with those who were doing the inquiry, which I've done. Okay. Um, I don't know, uh, other than Mr. Novak, uh, I don't know who might have been in that first six that were apparently contacted by two senior officials uh, in what might have been a, uh, a criminal violation. Um, I do know that um, Andrea Mitchell was contacted in the second batch, and she was she reported to me that senior White House officials had told her uh, that um, the real story was um, not the 16 words in the State of the Union address, but the real story was my, my myself and my wife. Now, remember here that I went out there at the request of this administration, and I brought back a, a report that just happened to be the truth. Uh, now, mine was one of three reports. Those three reports from U.S. government officials or people who had association with the U.S. government um, myself, the ambassador on the ground, and a Marine Corps general all said there was nothing to this story. Uh, somebody in the White House decided they were going to believe a report that did not even have uh, sufficient credibility to make its way into a, an Italian tabloid. Um, they decided they would, that would pass the truth test for them. Uh, and they, as a consequence, inserted the lie into the President's State of the Union address. So who was badly serving the President of the United States? Was it those of us who brought back the truth and tried to protect him from this? Or was it the person who decided they would put the lie in the State of the Union address? We, should, we have a very uh, web-savvy um, audience, so I would refer them to the Internet for the actual text of the article that originally you wrote for the New York Times, where you outlined uh, what happened as regards your going over to Niger. Uh, you close that article by saying that an act of war is the last option of a democracy taken when there's a grave threat to our national security. More than 200 American soldiers have lost their lives in Iraq already. We have a duty to ensure that their sacrifice came for the right reasons. And, of course, issues about what were the right reasons are sort of central to this, uh, this whole scandal about weapons of mass destruction not being found. Sure. Uh, there were three pillars that uh, underpinned the justification for going to war. One was weapons of mass destruction, in particular the strategic weapons, the weapons of strategic concern to us, i.e. nuclear weapons. The second was operational ties to al-Qaeda, which of course is non-existent. 
and the third was the liberation of Iraq from uh, from the iron grip of a of a tyrant after 30 years. Now the problem with the third one, of course, is that when you rationally as we do every four years, determine how you're going to use our soldiers, our military force. Uh, we generally determine that we will use it in our national interests. We don't generally fight wars of liberation. One of the reasons, by the way, we don't fight wars of liberation is because populations uh, often um, resent uh, our occupation in the aftermath of the so-called liberation. And so it's difficult to sustain the political will when the population is not fawning all over you. Yes. And appearing liberated. That certainly is the case now in Iraq. Does your wife's being compromised as a counterintelligence officer warrant a special prosecutor rather than leaving this matter in the hands of John Ashcroft's Justice Department and FBI? Well, I would, I would remind you that the crime that was committed was not a crime against me or even a crime against my wife. It just happens to be our names are, are, are somehow tied to it. It's a crime against uh, my country. Uh, and uh, I have every confidence in the, in the professionals at the FBI. Uh, I do think it's a legitimate question for the executive branch to ask itself, uh, given uh, the close ties between uh, Mr. Rove and Mr. Ashcroft in the past. Um, I'm glad that Chuck Schumer and some of the other senators up on the Hill have pursued this vigorously and urged the administration to act in a way that ensures that there's not even the perception of a conflict of interest. What do you predict for the future as regards this issue of intelligence being used and misused? Well, I think it would be a shame uh, for the intelligence um, agency to be scapegoated in this. Uh, if you go back and you look at the timeline, the decision uh, uh, on the war was made uh, well before the national intelligence estimate was ever produced. In my judgment, uh, uh, from the very beginning, the facts were manipulated to support the decision that had already been taken. So that is not a problem with the intelligence community. That's a problem with the politicians the political leadership of the country, having decided they would selectively use facts, as in fact they did in the case of uranium from Niger. They yeah. used only those facts that they thought, or only those bits of information, whether they were facts or not, that seemed to support the conclusion that they'd already reached. That's a bad way to go to war. Yes, it is. A final question. You've served, uh, you've served both uh, Republican and Democratic administrations. You were in Iraq. You were, in fact, the last American diplomat to meet with Saddam Hussein prior to Gulf War One. Any comments on the efforts to smear you and your wife as being partisan in the issues being raised? Well, uh, first and foremost, um, both my wife and I are proud American citizens. Uh, both of us have raised our right hand at one point or another and sworn to defend the Constitution of the United States. We are patriots. We've actually served our country, not just served political parties. Um, we are proud. I'm proud, and I'm, I'm, I'm actively participating in this election campaign. I'm proud to have an opportunity to do so as a citizen, and I will continue to do so. With respect to my own party allegiance, the point I would uh, guess that I would make is that um, even Republicans ought to look uh, to how much this administration has veered from the policy prescriptions that were uh, offered and the, and the platforms that were offered by uh, then-candidate George Bush when he spoke at the uh, Reagan Library in Simi and in Simi Valley in California, and later when he was uh, debating uh, Al Gore, I think they will find that what uh, this administration has done has been precisely the opposite of what uh, candidate Bush promised they would do. The people will come back and say, uh, "Well, of course, but circumstances changed after 9/11," and to which I would respond, "Well, the president has an obligation." to keep this country safe. And uh, frankly, with this battle for Baghdad, um, I worry that we are not, in fact, safer. 
Well, Ambassador Wilson, we wish you the best in your efforts and hope this inquiry will, uh, much good will come of it. Thank you for joining us on Radio Parallax. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I see no explanation yet as to why administration officials wanted to identify Valerie Plame as possibly one of the people who sent the ambassador to Niger. So what if she was? Her job was in counterintelligence, the sort of thing which is supposed to protect us from hijackers, from planes hitting towers. If a dangerous foe may go nuclear, a professional evaluation of that should be made. Joseph Wilson was utterly qualified to investigate such claims. If one of the professionals whose job it was to request his services happened to be his wife, so what? But if you've been following this war in Iraq story, you would know that intelligence matters in this have been fudged, and those offering non-favored opinions, punished. The Central Intelligence Agency steadfastly refused to play ball with an administration that demanded evidence to justify a war. The CIA stuck to its guns and refused to phony up links between Saddam and al-Qaeda. The neoconservatives of Team Bush made it clear that data should be re-analyzed. They were determined to go to war with Iraq using the hook of protecting us from the terrorism so vivid in our minds post 9-11. So when a Joe Wilson reported in early 2002 that there was nothing to the claim yellow cake uranium had been sold to Iraq, the neocons preferred to rely upon other analysis, ones that claimed that it had gone to Saddam. Even documents that turned out to be embarrassingly amateurish forgeries. As the ambassador said, this scandal is not about he and his wife. It is about the misuse of intelligence information and political payback. The craft of intelligence goes with any nation state. The Mongol conquests, which established the world's greatest land empire ever, were successful in no small part to the fact that their messengers on horseback were the fastest way to move strategic intelligence prior to the modern era. The failures to use intelligence properly prior to 9-11 are still reverberating. One way to ensure such bad outcomes is to bury good data. Joseph Wilson's report on Niger, for example. The Congressional Budget Office estimated in September 2002 that occupying Iraq would cost $4 billion a month. The Bush administration did not want to hear it, insisted it was not possible to estimate that cost. The current figure? $4 billion a month. Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz denounced a prediction by then-Army Chief of Staff General Eric Shinseki that over 200,000 troops would be needed for Iraqi occupation. Wildly off the mark, said Wolfowitz. Apparently not. At present, the U.S. is paying to put 244,000 troops and Iraqi forces under arms. White House Economic Advisor Larry Lindsay resigned last December after his estimate that war with Iraq would cost $100 to $200 billion. Bush's budget chief scoffed at this as very, very high. But the cost to date has been over $160 billion, and with $4 billion a month accruing in costs, Lindsay's estimates may soon prove to be very, very low. We need people in Washington that aren't refusing to hear things they don't want to hear, things that don't adhere to their preconceived notions. These folks have to go. This is the same sort of stuff that caused reports of Saudi pilots who were taking flying lessons that didn't include landing to be ignored. We hope Ambassador Wilson's case will expose some of these people and get them early retirements. Personally, I hope Karl Rove heads the list. To be followed in January 2005 by Dick Cheney, Condi Rice, Don Rumsfeld, Paul Wolfowitz, and George W. Bush. 
Let's take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and you are listening to KDVS Davis, Sacramento, 90.3 FM. <laughs> 